Are you feeling stuck, lost, tired, or uninspired? We've all been there, including myself. I'm Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. I'm here to tell you that the best, unapologetic, and limitless version of yourself is yet to come. The Born Unbreakable podcast is here to inspire just that. With motivating guests from all different walks of life and around the world, their stories will empower you to unlock abundance and your unbreakable spirit. Do you need accountability? Reach out to me for a free consultation of how I can support you in reaching your maximum potential. This episode is brought to you by Sherpa Way Marketing. Are you a business looking to gain greater visibility online through search engine optimized content? Maybe you need effective ad campaigns to kickstart or bolster traffic to your website. Sherpa Way Marketing has seasoned experts that are bilingual in English and Spanish. Let them take the guesswork away and enhance your brand positioning with their comprehensive marketing services. Go to SherpaWayMarketing.com. That's S-H-E-R-P-A-W-A-Y marketing.com to schedule your free 45-minute consultation today. Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I have an exciting guest today who I made a confession to a few minutes ago because my guest, Ralph Ananya, is in Australia, which happens to be a place that I want to visit because I have this dream. And I can't remember if I talked about this on my show before, but now you'll know if you didn't already to adopt a koala. And, um, and plus there's so many other things I want to see in Australia, um, in Melbourne, in Sydney. And, uh, anyways, I, got this charm bracelet recently and very intentionally put that on there as a reminder to myself that I'm going to make it happen sooner rather than later. So that's just a a fun story (laughs) to start with, but we're not here to talk about my dreams of end koalas. We're here to talk about Ralph and his story, which has totally inspired me, which is why he's here today. And I know that his story is going to inspire you because that's what this show is all about. But a little bit about Ralph is that he's been in the business realm for 38 years. So he's got a lot to share. He's an entrepreneur, as I mentioned, in Australia. He's an international speaker and an author of a book that we'll talk about a little bit more today called Life Done Right, Timeless Wisdom to Give Hope and Inspiration for the Future. Um, He's an authority um, in the space of business transformation. And his mission really is to enrich the small business community by encouraging sustainable change. So not just that one time, okay, this has done a great job, but really the longevity of being able to get results and to achieve growth and to inspire, you know, generation after generation of people that carry on businesses. And so he's very passionate about results and teaching people to overcome the things that he had to maybe learn the hard way in his 38 years, so almost four decades of experience. But Ralph, thank you for taking your time out of your busy schedule, which you could be doing something else right now, but you're here with me talking um, and you're in a totally different time zone because as everyone knows, I'm here in Las Vegas. So I appreciate you taking the time today. Des, it's an absolute pleasure and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else at the moment. So thank you for having me on your show. Oh, I'm just so excited to, to, to dig in, but you know, a fitting place to start would be you're, you've been in this for four, almost four decades doing business, your own personal businesses, but obviously connected to so many of your clients and others. What was your journey into entrepreneurship? What was, what was young Ralph's story of getting into this space? So I've been in business for myself for 38 years, but I actually started out in the family business. I was born and raised. My parents had a small fruit stall when I was growing up as a kid. So from a very young age, um, my father used to take me with him to visit all the local farmers and the central markets. I was um, I was taught a lot in those early years, and I learned from just basically watching and following my father 
um, through through his journey. And I didn't realize it at the time. And um, as a father would do, they just basically guide their children. Um, and he, that's all my dad was doing. But as I got older, I started to appreciate, reflect on what I had learned from my dad. You know, the negotiation skills that um, that he shared and that I would observe and watch, how he treated his customers in the store um, with kit gloves and making sure that they had an experience when they came to our store. You know, all of all of that was basically what got me through to um, to wanting to own my own business at the age of twenty. So. Um, the entrepreneurial journey probably started at, at around four or five years of age. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and what, what better place to learn than the family business? Yeah. You know, I think everyone can relate to growing up and seeing things and going one day I'm, I'm going to do something myself. So what was the first, when you were 20, so I, so you mentioned that, what was the first adventure that you got yourself into? So having uh, the you know, early life experience in retail, um, and that was one of you know the first businesses I went into. So I'd, I'd purchased a ailing fruit market um, in the northern suburbs of, of Sydney that was had a revenue of around about six hundred thousand dollars a year, and I purchased that with my two brothers, a younger brother and an older brother, and the three of us went into business together and. Um, that was sort of the start of our journey. And within uh, five years, we'd taken that business from 600,000 annual revenue to 10 million in annual revenue in five years in one store. Um, and that really showed, um, a, we paved a journey and showed that we we were good at what we did. You know, we, we delivered an experience. The most important thing uh, for us at the time, and still is today, I guess, is in retail, you have to give an experience. You know, people come to you to purchase product, but they also want an experience when they leave the store because that's what makes them come back time and time again. So there's a lot that um, that goes into dealing with uh, with food and, and especially fresh produce because you're relying on Mother Nature for the the quality of the product. And a lot of people don't realise it, but you know Mother Nature has, has a big effect on on uh, the quality. Um, you know, and and that's a, it plays a big part in when you're delivering that to consumer. So you learn a lot about uh, running a, a retail business when you're dealing with with a consumable um, that a product that has a very short lifespan, and um, because you need to be continually selling. So that was um, that was the first, I guess, main business that went into, and then just continued to grow. And since then, you know, I've built now thirty one companies. I've taken one of them, uh, our flagship company, um, to 136 plus million in annual revenue, where we had 350 staff in in seven locations, um, and you know, predominantly in fresh food and food manufacturing. Um, mm-hmm. Have had um, interest in other businesses along the way, and have acquired businesses. But yeah, it's been a journey. It's been a journey, and a and a and a, and a long learning uh, journey that I'm still learning today. And and if you don't learn, um, you you know, you sort of become a little bit complacent um, when you're not growing and learning. And that's that's how I, I sort of see it. You know, if, you, if you're comfortable, com- comfort sort of becomes complacency. And uh, and complacency then is when all the issues start to happen. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. I just want to take a moment, though, because you have such humility when you're talking about your numbers. I'm going five years, 600,000 to 10 million. Oh, that's over 10 times the growth in a short amount of time. So yes, it's been a journey, but one could argue that that level of growth in that one uh, company could have taken a lot longer than that. So that, that brings me to the question about scale, because a lot of businesses, whether it's retail or something else, is always contemplating that in their strategic plan. How do we scale? How do we go from this number of staff to that number of staff? How do we get more locations? What does that, you know, what does that look like? Yeah. What are what are what are some of the things that you examined when you're on this path over the course of 5 years to get to where you are now? Yeah, there's a there's, that's a great question and there's a lot to unpack in that. Um 
you know, the, the mistake that most people make is that sometimes they get carried away with what they're doing and focus only on the, on the delivery of the product. Um, and some people fall in love with their product and then they, they try and expand and they find that um, they're not doing as good as they, they thought they would in, um, or what they're doing in their first location because the emphasis has been too much on the product and they think that everybody will just automatically, <clears throat> excuse me, um, automatically buy from them uh, or buy their product because they think it's so great. Reality is that, you know, a business is like, building a business is like building a house. You know, if you don't have the foundations that are set correctly, um, you know, you, you really can't build a sustainable business because at some point it will collapse because you haven't given its full um, capacity to be able to, uh, or platform, but um, to be able to grow upon. So I always, from, from my own experience, you know, I always find that you need to really understand who your, your client is, who, who is your, your client avatar, who, who is going to buy from you, regardless of what product or service you have, who is going to buy from you and why. Um, some people make the mistake and, and base their business on price. Um, and it is really interesting because most people don't understand the um, the price that that price doesn't necessarily make um, that much of a difference in in retail. And it's been proven year in year out. And I haven't had these figures for a couple of years now, but I can tell you one thing: when I was in retail for many many years, I would always follow trends and always get a, an understanding of, of what value people place on a price. And reality is there's that 87% um, of consumer on average, that this is on a global scale on average, and this is in food shopping, 87% of consumer did not look at price. Only 13% would focus on price. So therefore, it's not necessarily about how cheap something is or, or how um, low the prices, and certainly there are demographics where certain areas, you know, the demographic can't afford certain things, so they do focus a little bit more on price. However, that is still a niche. You should always be delivering the same experience because it's the experience that keeps people coming back. And if you have the experience and the quality of the product, the price is irrelevant. Because if you take a product home and it will last in your fridge for a week, I'm talking about a perishable product. If you take a product home and it will last in your fridge for a week and you're not throwing it out, then that decision is what will make you go back and buy from that store again. If you take a product home and it goes off in the first 24 hours, um, you know, the price is, is when you realize that you paid too much for it because you've had to throw it out. So, mm -hmm. It's about the experience and you've got to build your business based on what value you're going to give the client. And if you're giving great value, great service and the quality of a product, if you're selling a product is there and if you're selling a service, then it's the experience and the value that you're giving um, the client. Then you can actually grow. Now, to expand and go into multiple locations, you look at the um, product or service that you're delivering and you look at who is out there that will need your product or service and find a niche or an area that you're doing something that is different to what everybody else is doing. Because if you're doing the same thing, then people don't really recognize or, or, or understand your value. And there are a lot of people out there that give great value and great service and then don't tell anybody about it. And, and I say to them, you know, you're the world's best kept secret. You do, you do have to do a little bit of marketing. You do have to tell people about you. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, promoting your services or your business unless, you know, you're a solopreneur and you can rely on, um, on referrals. Then, then that is obviously different. But if you're looking to build and scale a business, um, most importantly is understand the industry that you're in, understand what it is that you can deliver, and remember that you can't serve everybody. Find a niche, give a great amount of service and, and effort to that niche, 
And it doesn't matter if, if you expand either side of that, but stay in your lane. Most people tend to want to do all things for everybody and then don't achieve any anything um, really well. And and I always, you know, when I when I've I've shared my experience on stage around the globe, I I tell a story and and as an example, and I say, you know, if if you saw a sign, if you were driving down a busy road and you saw a sign that said "World's Best Mechanic Inquire Within," you know, you wouldn't really take much notice. You'd just keep driving and say, "Yeah, fair enough. It's the world's best mechanic. Big deal." But if you saw a sign that said "World's Best Mechanic Specializing in Ferrari," and you were a Ferrari owner, would that grab your attention? The answer is yes. Now, as a Ferrari owner, when you drive into that mechanics workshop and you see a BMW or a Porsche or a Mazda or a Toyota, are you going to really worry about it? And the answer is usually no, because the expertise and experience that that, that person is putting up is that they're specializing in Ferraris. Now, anyone that has a Ferrari has a second car, and their car could be a BMW or it could be a Toyota, but they generally have another car, and they may just take that other car to the same mechanic. But the, the point I'm making is that you can't just say, I'm the world's best mechanic, because then it's like, oh, yeah, well, big deal. You're the world's best mechanic. But the niche is I'm specializing in Ferrari. That doesn't mean that I can't work on other cars. It just means that I'm putting myself out there as an expert in that field. And that's what you've got to do in business. And it doesn't matter what business you're in. You know, if, if, you're, if you've got a business that has multiple um, products or services, what is the best and, and the one thing that you're, you're really clear on and you're well known for and you want to become better known for? And that's what you should um, focus on. Once you've got that foundation right, you can, you can then expand from that. You're speaking my language, Ralph. <laughs> I'm sitting here nodding my head because when you were talking about price, the only thing I could think about was experience. As a consumer of products, a lot of food products, but a lot of you know other retail products too, I'm always looking for the experience. I'm willing to pay a higher price because I, I want the consistency of the kind of experience that I get. And I, and so I, that rings so true to me. And when you're talking about niche, I, I think that is one of the biggest traps that people get into because as entrepreneurs, it's just too easy to say, but there's these other five things that are really cool and interesting and we could help that situation or those people too. And then you've spread yourself too thin and all of a sudden you are no longer having that emphasis on an expertise that people are looking for. That's yeah. such a great example about the cars. Yeah. Ugh. So, so now those are some key areas of what, what to look for as you're growing. So then there's an important part, which I know is important to you, is the sustainability. Yes. So one of the biggest mistakes that most entrepreneurs make is that they title themselves as the CEO. And everyone, everyone loves that title because, you know, it's the highest title in an organization. Reality is, though, that most of those people that give themselves the title of CEO are generally chief everything officer. And you can't be chief everything officer and then expect to grow a sustainable business. And when I am sharing my wisdom with my clients, and I'm mentoring them, I will always say that one of the things that I learned later in life, and I still, um, I still speak about it all the time because it is so important, is time. And as you get older, the time that we have is very limited. So when you are busy trying to do something that you don't enjoy doing, but you're doing it because you think you're saving money, and you could pay somebody else to do it in a tenth of the time and do it better than you, where is the value and, and what could you be doing? So 
in my business, I always surrounded, in all my businesses rather, I always surrounded myself with people that were experienced and experts in whatever it is that I needed done. Because I, I there's a, again, there's multiple stories, but there's a, there's a story that I share all the time. And it's a, one of my, my very, very closest friends is an accountant and a um, financial genius. And I understand numbers and I get through very, very well because I did accounting. Um, it's the only thing that I went through, but I didn't finish it. So I understand numbers and spreadsheets and, and can read um, uh, spreadsheets very well. However, if I have to sit and do a spreadsheet of some sort, it could take me hours. I don't understand the formulas. And at the end of it, I don't know if it's actually going to be accurate. Whereas if I hand it over to the, this friend of mine, it would take him 10 minutes. It will be accurate because he does understand the formulas. And I know that I'm going to get something that is going to, to, um, to be meaningful. So I, I, I sit there and I think, why do I want to waste four hours in trying to create something that I know is not going to be right when I've got someone who can do it in 10 minutes? And do it accurately and that's where most entrepreneurs get caught up they get caught up in trying to do everything themselves and and it's it's much much better to pay somebody that loves what you don't like doing because they will do it better than you and that allows you to then be the visionary and take the time and look at who else out there will value what you're doing and allow you to grow and expand your business as long as you've got the right people in place. And I would always say and still say today, the, C, the actual CEO role in an organization can be the hardest or the easiest. The only difference is the team that, that surrounds you, the team that you have behind you to be able to drive your vision forward. And if you've got the right team that you share your vision with, and everyone know in the in the organization knows their role, you'll flourish. Oh my gosh. Because the other side of that, um, Des, is that when you have some challenges, and you will, every business has challenges, right? It, it, if you're not, if you don't have some challenges, you're not growing because there's there's always something that you can't see. You and you've got a good team around you. The the pressure is off with you having to make the decision of what you should and you shouldn't be doing because you would sit and you would brainstorm it with your team and you would get everybody's input. So if things are a bit difficult or, or things have gone a bit, bit pear-shaped, everyone pulls in together, everyone gives their input, and you're able to move forward because everyone's going to do their bit moving forward. And it's like you know rowing a boat. If everyone's rowing in the same direction, you're going to get there a lot quicker. So and which is another mistake that I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs make. They have the vision. They're great people. They've got great aspirations, but they don't share it with their team. So their team don't know what journey they're on because the the um, CEO hasn't shared the vision. So it, it as an entrepreneur, and I'm talking about you know I'm not talking about corporate. I'm talking about you know the mum and dad businesses, and they're you know a mum and dad business can still still be pretty large. It's, there's some large you know, privately owned organizations. But the most important part is that you understand that for your business to grow and flourish, your team, your people that, that are around you have to know what journey they're coming on with you because they will help you achieve the goal and get to the destination. Yeah. Where are we headed as a team? But I think that's, oh, it's just so huge. I feel like the title of this uh, chapter of the podcast is "Stay in Your Lane." Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've said you said that earlier, yeah. But I do think it's one of the biggest pitfalls, and and honestly, I think one of those big components of leadership is control. Yeah. When you're when you're the chief everything officer, you have to make decisions about control and that's hard for many leaders to let go of is if i if i relinquish this duty now i'm i'm relying on somebody else but to your point that's their lane that's their expertise and then and, and it's one of the biggest ways that you foster trust is by having good communication to understand from everybody who is in there you know it's kind of like the president they they can't do everything, but they have 
special administration that's focused on different aspects of running the country. And that's, you know, informs him or her on, you know, well, what, where do we need to focus our attention? Where do we need to focus our energy? So, um, but, but I think it's a hard thing to work through, especially when you're getting started and you're trying to pick your A players, you know, yeah. it's like, Ooh, what, you know, what, how do I go through this process of choosing a team that I can trust that I could count on, which leads me to a question because, you know, you're, you're talking about building a team, which I think is incredibly important. Um, communication is important. What about inspiring people? Because a lot of the things that I, you know, one of the, the, common things that have come up during this time is like the great resignation. That's this term that's thrown out in business of, you know, people finding other opportunities, seeing greener grass, that kind of thing, which it's going to happen. It doesn't matter what business, you know, you mentioned industry, people are going to always have opportunities. What, what are the ways that leaders keep people for as, for as long as they can to stay engaged and want to have a uh, longevity in a company? So you have a cohesive unit that's working together on growth and goals. So one of my main focuses in growing my businesses, and I've had this for many, many, many years, is that you train your people so well that they can leave and go and get a, a job anywhere else because they've got the skill set now to be able to do that. But if you treat them so well that they have no option but to stay because they will never get treated like that anywhere else, you'll have a team forever. That's the hardest part for a organization because especially some of the older businesses, they tend to let ego get in, in the way. And there's the old, you know, the old school way of, you know, ruling with an iron fist, which doesn't work, hasn't worked for a long time, might have worked in the, you know, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, but it doesn't work today. Um, I Training is very, very big for me. I believe in training my team and giving them the opportunity um, and allowing them enough autonomy to be able to put their stamp on their position. What, what makes people leave is that they have this aspiration to be able to do better and want the business to grow because everybody tends to, if they really are engaged in the business, they make it their own. So they tend to have that, you know, that ownership of their, of their own, their own lane, right, in, in what they're doing. Um, but unfortunately, you know, some business owners don't allow their employees to flourish. And I have seen it so many times over the years, you know, where um, the, the, the people that, um, that they have working for them, they haven't actually even identified what their real strengths are. They've employed them or engaged them for a particular role, but they haven't asked, um, you know, what, what else they can offer. And so many people can offer so much that it's incredible. It doesn't matter what position they're in. Now, this is why I love small business, because small business is the backbone of every economy in every country. And, you know, if we if we continue to support that, you know, the community grows, you know, they create more income than any of the majors, any of the corporate organisations. Um, mm -hmm. But the fear is there. Most people are fearful of, of going into business that they're going to lose everything. And when you go into a business thinking that way, it's just a bad, it's a bad way to start. But, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur and having employed, you know, literally, you know, thousands of people over the years, you know, I've seen it multiple times where um, if you engage with your people and show them that they care and show them that they are valued, you will gain so much, so much more out of them. And I remember, you know, I, I was speaking in the US many years ago um, and probably about seven or eight years ago now, and I had, had shared a story and I've got so many stories that I've experienced of, of my own that, you know, I could be talking about customer service, for example, and I could 
I could be doing a tour and at every city, I'll be telling a different story about customer service because I've got so many customer service stories, but they're my stories, right? And I was sharing a story about building a team and, and it was a story about a janitor that I used to have working for me and he'd been with me 10 or 12 years and he was an amazing guy. And he used, I've never had anybody that, that took the time and, and cleaned the way that this person cleaned. But he felt isolated um, because he suffered from depression and he was just a lovely guy. And I, long, long story short, I basically connected with him because he used to work um, through the night. So he used to start at 6 p.m. and finish at um, 3 or 4 a.m. And I would usually leave the office by about 5 p.m. So we'd rarely ever meet. And I connected with him one day and, and he'd been off for a few days and um, and I just shared with him how important he was and he couldn't believe it. Like he really couldn't believe that I was saying how important he was. But the moral of the story is that from that day on, he became part of the team and he would go and actually push the rest of the team during the night because we'd have we'd have two shifts. We'd run 24 hours, um, seven days a week. So we he would actually go and push the rest of the staff because he felt that he belonged. And I was sharing this story on stage in, in the US one time and, and I got off stage and I and as I went into the, the green room, I I got approached by a gentleman and um, I didn't realise who he was at the time. And uh, and he said to me, you know, that's a great story, young man. He said, um, he said, I remember he said when I when I took over one of the companies, he said that I took over, he, he said I um I had to get rid of some people. And he said, and we did an exit interview and he said, and there was this, this gentleman that came to me and he said, um, he said, what have I done wrong? He said, I've been here 22 years. He said, what have I done wrong? He said, you, you know, you're letting me go. And he said, well, he said, you know, your performance is, is not up to scratch. He said, so, you know, we're sort of having a look at performance and we have to let, you know, have to let you go. And he said, I've been working at this company for 22 years. And he said, for 22 years, you've paid me for my hands. He said, not once in that 22 years have you asked me for my brain. And, and it was a massive lesson for him. And um, the, 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 the moral of the story is that, you know, you, you, listen, you listen to your, your um, employees and ask them what you, they think that you could be doing better that would give you more productivity or more efficiency in your business. And they will tell you because they're they're standing they're standing there on on the on the line. And um, anyway, it, it's it's incredible when you you're actually um, you actually get to share some stories because people then open up. But I've seen it a lot in businesses where people are engaged to perform a job and not necessarily being engaged to advance in their role. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've always loved about Disney is that when you work at Disney and you're working on the park, you're actually um, part of, of their team performing. You're actually on stage. That's what they say. So even if you're picking up rubbish, you are on stage and part of their team performing. And And I think that's exactly what should be happening in all businesses because if you take the time to do reviews of your um, team and understand what they can put forward to allow you to grow and you implement that, that will see your business grow with so much more ease, so much more ease. You know, I, I, I saw a number of years ago in a business that I was mentoring at the time and the owner was a real... Um, a real challenge. Uh, I was engaged by his son, but the the father was a lot older. And I was walking through the facility one day, and um, and I heard him uh, having you know some argument or or, or um, you know a, a dispute with one of the employees. And I wasn't I wasn't really close to him, but one thing I did hear is he turned around and he said, "I don't pay you to think." And as soon as I heard that, I thought, "Wow, my goodness." You know, like, can you imagine what would happen to that person? Do you think he will ever bring forward any form of of idea or anything that would be able to help the business grow or evolve? Not at all. You've just shut it off. Whereas I, when I engage and, and do, um, uh, you know, team events, I always say, you know, there is no such thing as a stupid idea. 
Mm-hmm. You know, bring your ideas forward. We may not be able to use them today, but we'll take them on board. Because what that does is it keeps them thinking. You know, but when you say, I don't pay you to think, then, you know, the person just switches off. And, and then it just becomes a job. At the end of the week, they want their pay, and that's all you're going to get. But if mm-hmm. you build a good team, and even if you are starting out, the one thing that I would absolutely do is make sure that you engage a coach or a mentor, but do your due diligence to make sure it's the right coach and right mentor. One of the gripes that I have in the coaching industry, there's for me, especially mm-hmm. when I, because I've experienced the, um, the cleanup of so many disasters, is that when a business coach is engaged and they've never owned a business and they don't understand what the client is going through or what pain they're feeling, and they, they give them advice and the business owners are usually, <clears throat> excuse me, usually in a, in some sort of predicament that they just listen and they take it that what they're, they're being told is, is great advice. Um, I've seen it too many times where they're left with a mess and the coach then, then just leaves and mm-hmm. leaves them holding the baby. And that's very sad. So a coach or or a mentor in your business is really important at the beginning not when you can afford it it's at the beginning whether you can afford it or not you you need to start off on the right foot so you your foundations are set right it'd be like saying no no we're going to build the house we'll get to the we'll get to the um the the concrete floor and foundation later You, you don't do that you always build the foundation first so the coach or a mentor is your foundation because from that you're able to then grow with somebody holding your hand. Mm-hmm. And, and what, I, what I say to my clients is, and obviously, you know, today I'm at a very different level and I, I'm, you know, I don't mean to say it as in I'm better than anyone else, but I've got the experience and I've, you know, I've had that, the years of, of, um, of doing what I do and the, and the amount of business, so I've got the credibility. So, um, you know, I, my, my clients today, usually come to me because they're in some form of, of challenge or issue in their business. And I always say to them, you know, you, you, you always need to look for the people that can support your growth. And it doesn't matter if they're working directly for you or if you're just engaging them for a service, you need to build the right team. And the right team could be having the right lawyer, having the right accountant, having the right advisor. They don't need to be on your payroll uh, weekly, but they need to be there as your team because that's how you start. And then from then, from there rather, you you can then grow a team that you will um, employ yourself. But a coach, a good coach, a good business mentor who has been there and done that will allow you to shine because they can see what you can't see. Mm-hmm. Because when mm-hmm. you're in, when you're starting out and you're you're in business, you're starry eyed. You've got great aspirations. You've got, you've got a big vision, right, and you're starry-eyed. But a coach will actually stop you from going off um, and getting distracted by the bright, shiny objects. Yeah. And, and, and keep you there are many. Yeah, they right? are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, when you ask the question about, you know, inspiration, you know, inspiration comes from you allowing people, and, and sorry I went around this a, a long way, but inspiration comes from you allowing people to flourish and to thrive by giving them the confidence that they can come to you and offer their view of what they're experiencing to help you grow your your business um, with the vision that you've put in place. Yeah, that requires two way communication. It's not it's one, not one directional, where a leader is somewhere on high just professing things to people. Because I, I love that example that you shared where. People have ideas and they have to have a place where they can harness those and be heard. You know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that we overcomplicate life. And if we keep it simple and recognize that people want to be accepted, valued, and heard, let's figure out how to make that happen. <laughs> you know, uh, so that that is that is really great advice. I want to shift to your book. Yes, because obviously there's a story behind the what in speaking of inspiration, what inspired you to do that? You know, it's not it's a lofty journey in and of itself to write a book in the first place. So what inspired you and what are you learning on the way now that the book is, you know, here? Tell us more about that. I 
wrote the book. The, the book came about because I everyone that I have mentored over the years um, has gained so much value. And there were a few people that said to me, oh, Ralph, you've got to put all this into a book. And I, I thought, yeah, I'll get around to it one day. And, you know, I had the, the aspiration to, to write um, my own book. I'd written a chapter in another book and I'd written a, a, another small book that I used to give away at, at uh, events when I was touring. But to actually write a proper book that, um, that I wanted to write myself, I didn't want anybody to write it for me and, and I had to know every word in it because it had to be real, it had to be authentic and that's just how I am. Um, and I guess it came to life during COVID. Um, you know, I, I really saw the devastation of what was happening, especially, you know, when it first hit us. Um, and I wrote a program at the time, which was um, 21 day, it was a 21 day challenge um, from thriving, from um, surviving to thriving. And it was, it was record, I recorded it myself and I basically gave it away for free during, during the pandemic, just to keep um, people upbeat, you know, because there was a lot of doom and gloom. The, the world was, was um, doing a great job on on putting fear in everybody, and everybody was just um, down and, and and out, and you know there was some tragedies happening, and it was just a sad time. So, mm-hmm. I from that the response that I got and the feedback that I got from people that had actually done the twenty one day journey um, just inspired me to to actually write the book because I knew I had so much to give. And I really, one of the things that drives me and still drives me today is making a difference to the next generation. You know, I really want to make a difference to to the up and coming entrepreneurs that are our next generation because they need the support. You know, it's pretty tough at the moment. And, you know, if we think we've had it tough, you know, it's been really tough on on the, the next generation coming through. Um, those that see it as opportunistic um, will will gain value and they will will build on that strength and they will flourish. But there are those that get caught up in the doom and gloom and are fearful and are fearful to, to make a decision to move forward. So I thought, you know, I've had a ton of experience. I've had, you know, a lifetime in business. I know I've, uh, it's been 38 years, but it's really my life in business that I've that I've had from a young age that I wanted to share my journey, some of the challenges that I've been through. I've come close to bankruptcy three times, never been bankrupt, but I've come close. And most people um, that get into the positions that I've been in would just put their hands up and say, ah, I'll just you know, go bankrupt and start again. And I've seen that many times, but that was not an option for me because for me, it was like, I'm gonna hurt somebody. You know, I, I if I just go bankrupt, somebody's gonna get affected, they're not gonna get paid. So I, I basically, navigated my way through that um, every time. But every time I did that, I grew. I grew from the experience and I learned from that experience. And and that's, you know, I- invaluable because I've actually been through it and no university in the world can teach you that. And yes, it's cost me millions and millions of dollars, but the experience is what I come away with. And I come away with it because I've been able to learn, I've been able to grow and I've been able to evolve. Most people that go through that challenge just sit in the corner and cry about it and they are basically in doom and gloom for, for the rest of their life and they live their, their life moving forward in, in that, um, that fearful state. Mm-hmm. So they don't take the lesson out of it. They only take the, um, the, the pain and they're only living, they're reliving that pain every day. So I wrote, I wrote the book with, with, a, with the view of being able to make it an easy read because I didn't go to uni. So therefore, you know, I, I had a I had a very rough childhood in the sense that, um, you know, I was bullied very badly at school and I hated school. So I didn't learn as well as anyone else. So most of most of the journey of, of where I've been on has been self-taught and I've done a lot of courses, personal courses that have gotten me to where I am today, but I've continued to push through. So for me, you know, it was about, writing the book in a way that's easy to read. You know, I didn't want to put words in it to make me look good, but then somebody would need a dictionary to go and find out what that word meant, right? <laughs> so I wrote it I wrote it the way that I would want to read it. And I also wrote it, even though the book flows from start to, to finish, Des, I wrote it in a way where, you know, if you wanted to open the book at Chapter 5 and start reading it there, it actually, you can do that, right? So 
Um, you know, it's it's a book that shares my journey, my wisdom, but gives you the opportunity to be able to tap into that and say, yeah, I've had a similar experience, but I wasn't sure how to come out of it. And this is how you do it. You know, well, th this is what I did. I don't tell people what they should do. I can only share what I've done and what it, how it served me. So from my experience and what it's cost me is what I want to give back and allow people to be able to learn um, from what I've experienced and the losses that I have had for them not to make those same mistakes or, or to, uh, to avoid making those mistakes or at least identify where the markers are, where the barriers are, because whenever you're moving forward and entrepreneurs like to um, just, they see, you know, they've got one, one setting in their speed and that's just fast. So everybody wants to go <laughs> fast, right? Accelerator. That's it. It's just like speed is everything. And I, and I wrote, I wrote a blog um, on that once. And, and uh, it's, it's that, as the signs say on the roads, when you're driving, that speed kills the same Oof. applies in business speed kills. So you need to sort of slow down a little bit and just look for what could be a marker or a red flag and take note of that. And if you can take note of the red flag and then mitigate that risk, when you get to a challenge, you've already sort of mitigated it and you're prepared for it. Why mm. most people fail and never get back up is because they weren't aware of what may potentially be a challenge for them. So mm -hmm. I'm always saying, ask yourself the question, what is it that I'm missing? What can't I see? Because when you ask yourself that question, you'll start to look a little bit deeper at what could potentially be a challenge for you moving forward. And one challenge that no one saw was obviously COVID, right? So that's, you know, one in a million that you won't see. But if you're in an industry where you know really, really well, what could be a challenge for you? You know, in fresh food and food manufacturing, Mother Nature is a big challenge because if you have a flood or a drought or, you know, that, that has a big effect on your product and your, and your um, supply chain. So you need to identify this. And it's the same in every business you know, every business. So I, I like to sort of get people focused on, you know, the mistakes that, that I made and how I navigated out of that. So it can help them just identify where they're at in life and what they need to be mindful of. And it's not just about business. You know, I, I was married for 25 years and, and, you know, went through a, you know, a sad divorce um, that I didn't see coming because I was too involved in my business. And you know, that is in the book as well, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, how I navigated through that. So it's not just about, um, it's about about business, it's about my journey in life. And it, it, it encapsulates everything. It's the journey of, of the business and the challenges in there. It's a journey in my, in my marriage and, and, you know, what happened there and the upbringing of my three children and, you know, where I am today and what I work with with my clients and, and being able to share that and give back. You know, it's not about me, you know, being out there and being, um, you know, the, the highlight of it. it's like, look at me, look at me. It's not that at all. It's about me being able to just give back and leave this, this world knowing that I've been able to make a difference because that's my calling. You know, my yeah. calling is to be able to make a difference in somebody else's life. And if it's one person at a time, then that's all I want to achieve. And I say that all the time to people who are in the space of influence and inspiration. It is one person at a time. That's you, 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 the engagement that you have and the impact from moment to moment is that. And if, if you accomplish that, then you are winning. You know, of course, do you want that one person to turn into a hundred and a thousand and a million? Of course, you know, that's a great aspiration, but it does start with one person at a time. And speaking of one person, there's something else exciting that's happening with your book because you met a person and tell, tell us about what's happening now. So, um, I was blessed to be uh, a special guest on a on a webinar and on the same webinar was another special guest 
um, who just happened to be the owner of Morgan James Publishing in New York, a gentleman by the name of David Hancock. And um, we connected really well. I sent him a copy of my book, not thinking anything more than just me wanting to send a signed copy of my book, as I will to you. And um, and I got a, a call from him a, a couple of months later saying that he absolutely loved it and the team loved it and he wanted to um, take over the publishing rights for um, for the book and to be done on a global scale. So the book is now being rewritten in 20 different languages and it is going to hit the bookstores in the US and Canada uh, on the 1st of July. So we're very close to it being um, put out there. We're doing a lot of pre-marketing preparation to, uh, to let people know about it. And um, there it is there. Um, so looking forward to changing some people's lives. Yeah. Ralph, that is huge. And, and I just want to say, you know, that, that is the power of purpose and intentionality and service, because when you, when you're out there in the world, helping people, you will connect with other human beings who want to help people. And then your message has magnitude. And that's exactly what, you, what you're accomplishing. And so the question is, um, how can we get the book? So people are like, I want that information. Is there any kind of pre-ordering or yeah. maybe through your website or something like that? Yeah, so the, the, it, the easiest way, I guess, is to um, go on uh, the book website, which is lifedonerightbook.com. Perfect. And and Life that's and, right and look, book. and it's available, um, you know, in in most of the um, the larger bookstores in the US, um, Barnes and Noble being the most prominent one. So you can you can purchase it there. You can purchase it online. Um, there is a pre order um, process at the moment, but it'll mm -hmm. actually be on the bookshelves as a physical book in July, and I'm looking forward to that. So. Oh which which will probably get me over there um possibly later in the year to do some some touring and book signing as well uh, i'll just see how we go yeah that's that's exciting congratulations that's really big and i can't wait for the world to receive everything all the wisdom that you have to offer because there are entrepreneurs being born by the moment these days and i do think it's a beautiful thing you know with as much as our world and I, I can very confidently say world, we're not just talking about the US, we're not just talking yeah. about Australia. You know, there's there's been a lot of, of tragedy, there's been a lot of, uh, of disaster and, and things that we can look at that may make us, um, you know, have some sadness, but I do think that there is a tremendous, a tremendous amount of hope um, for the future and for the generations that are going to be running our businesses and and cultivating all the new ideas that make us, you know, such a wonderful global economy that we have today. And so you are one of the people that are helping um, because that I, I, I like to say, pay it forward, yes. right? For for every hardship that we've experienced, if we can help another person make it a little bit easier, then you've done a good service, you know, in the world. So, Ralph, I want to ask you a few questions that will sure. help people get to know you a little bit better. And the first question that I have is, what makes you unbreakable? Oh, that's a uh, interesting question. Um, I think it's being able to navigate through challenging times, look at um, what led me to where I am, understand how I got there, um, sit with it, and then continue to move forward. Learn from the experience and continue to move forward. It's okay to to sit and you know ponder for a little bit and be in your doom and gloom, but don't stay there. You know don't live in that space because that's not who you are that doesn't determine who you are you know mm -hmm. what determines who you are is is the strength that will push you forward you know that's the that's the power that we all have um you know that the experience of, of what you've gone through doesn't determine who you are as a person what determines who you are as a person is what drives you to get out of bed every day and that's mm -hmm. the difference that is huge do not wallow 
It is an, it is, is not a fun place to stay. No. Okay. What about a self-limiting belief? What's a self-limiting belief that you've had to overcome? That's, I, I guess it's, it's like everybody has that, um, that one belief where they think they're not good enough. And it's usually because somebody told them something that they hung on to. And my view is what you think of me, my view today, this is, I mean, I've had to, you know, I've come a long way. Let me tell you, uh, there's been a lot of, a lot of internal learnings, but you know, for me today, there's, um, what you think of me is none of my business. You know, I don't, there, there was a time honestly, where, um, I would get up on stage and, you know, God forbid, was there a hair out of place or I used to get up in a, in a uh, suit with a shirt and tie and I used to like and I was just wasn't comfortable it wasn't me you know and I used to worry about what you know the person down in the last row you know of a in a room of 5,000 people was was thinking of me reality is that you know in a room of 5,000 people there's always going to be 10 people that, that don't like you or are going to talk about you but if you put your focus on those 10 people you know 4,990 people are going to miss out on what you've got to deliver so therefore, I don't care what those 10 people think about me or are saying about me because it's none of my business and I'm not going to get caught up in it. I'm going to give value to the people that want to hear and want to learn and appreciate what I'm offering. And um, that's how I am today. Yeah, that's powerful. That is really powerful. And it brings me to my question about then a superpower of yours. What, what is something that you are proud of that you do well? So when I went through, um, I've been divorced now nearly eight years, and and when I went through that journey, it was very painful for me because I didn't expect it. Um, it happened su um, or suddenly, and and I was in a really bad place for a couple of years, and I did a lot of internal work. And one of the things that I learned um, that I really loved and appreciated, and I've done a lot more learning since, and I'm still learning today, um, is that I have a spiritual mentor. And that spiritual mentor I, that I meet with, um, you know, regularly has taught me how to understand energy and how to feel and read the energy in a room. And I can actually walk into um, any room and I can feel what is in there. Um, when I'm speaking with someone, I understand their body language and I can actually, I can actually feel their own energy. And, and most times I don't even know that. And I don't share it, of course, but it, it's, it's the, um, it's the superpower that I that I guess I have, you know, if you want to call it a superpower today that, you know, allows me to to tap into somebody else's um, energy. Yeah, it's I, I think it takes experience and it does take inner work to have the self-awareness first and then the social awareness, the external awareness around you. But but it is and I can I can relate to that after having gone through um divorce and it's it's challenging it's challenging there's there's a lot of reflection but there's a um some reinvention uh as well which is which is really beautiful on the other side of that type of experience that can be so difficult um what is something on your bucket list ralph well i really want to travel again and just enjoy some of the places that i haven't seen around the globe um that I really need to do more of, and I'm looking forward to that um, when that time comes. So, you know, my kids are, are all grown now; they're they're all adults and they're living their own lives, and um, you know, they don't need for anything. So, you know, I'm able to uh, to do that at some stage soon. But um, I mean, the in the process of, a, of an acquisition of a business at the moment, because I really want to get back into the food space. I just love it, and especially with you know what we've seen with COVID. You know, we talk about opportunities, you know, and and I look at that all the time, and and um, I'm just keen to to do that, and um, yeah, just you know, start enjoying a little bit more. Um, one of the things that I haven't done for a long time is I'm, I I have a pilot's license, so I, I fly helicopters, and I love helicopters, and I haven't flown for a while. I'm actually I've actually got a um, a an appointment tomorrow. I'm going back out to uh, to where I used to um, fly and uh, and getting started again because it's just one of the one of the things that I love doing is flying. Well, that is beneficial in terms of travel. I mean, that's exciting. 
you've got your helicopter rides and travel adventures ahead. Yeah. It's your it's your turn to to prioritize your your things as as you've done that for many years for your th for your three children. So I like that a lot. Um, Ralph, if there was one last piece of advice that you could give to anyone that's listening right now, what would it be? I think it comes back to time, Des. I, I, I think most people don't value time until they don't have enough of it anymore. And the older you get, the less we have, you know. And I, I would just say, you know, make every moment count. Make every moment count. You know, I've, I've learned that. And, you know, I went through, through a challenge, um, you know, as recently as our last lockdown, uh, which was sort of last year, um, you know, August, September, um, you know, on a personal scale. And you just reflect and it's like we just, you know, sometimes we just don't appreciate the time that we have, um, you know, with people. Um, and you just need to take more, more, um, make a more conscious decision to, to not waste the time that we have. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so much needed in terms of, of, replaying that every day. I think we take for granted uh, time and it is something that you do not get back. No. So whatever you don't take advantage of today, it will not be here tomorrow. So that is so true. But I I sincerely appreciate you taking this hour to to share your knowledge, your experience, and and to be so honest and vulnerable. You know, I, th I think if we can have more conversations like this to just say, life is imperfect, <laughs> There's going to be things that we screw up, yeah. but we're going to learn along the way and we're going to do the best we can to, to pay it forward to others. Um, then I think, I think it'd be a better place. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think it'd be a better place. So thank you for being a part of making this a better place. I'm really excited for your book and um, I will let you know when I make my way in your direction. Please do, because I would love to host you. Oh, thank you so much. And this thank you so amazing. much for having me on your show. It's been an absolute pleasure and I've really enjoyed our time together. Awesome. And then one last thing is uh, a website or if there's a place where people can follow you and just keep up with what you're doing. I know you talked about the book. Is there another place that they might go just to yep. find you? So it's just ralphanania.com. Excellent. It's just my name.com and everything's on there. I like that. Just don't, again, let's not overcomplicate things. No. Perfect. I'll make sure that that link as well as the book link is in the show notes. So people can, if they're listening to this while they're driving or something and didn't catch that, you can always look back in the show notes and be able to click on that information very easily. But thank you again so much for coming on. My pleasure. Ralph Ananya. Wow. Wow. So much knowledge. So much knowledge in that interview. Four decades nearly of experience. And I'm thrilled to be able to receive his book and gain even more information. There are so many things that I can highlight from this episode as a recap, as action points to take away. You know, this is what I would say. As you're listening right now, there's there's two, two specific things that I want to leave you with as homework assignments. Number one is to do a check. Ask yourself the question, who else do I need on my team? What is it that you may be spending a little bit too much time on that you could use some expertise that they have a lane that you don't? And you need to be honest with yourself to say, I need to stay in my lane and this is expertise that I need so I can focus on my giftings, talents, and abilities and have that individual do this other stuff that I shouldn't be doing. That's the first question. The second question is somewhat related, but a bit broader, which is what am I missing? Which Ralph talked about that too. What am I missing? As you're thinking about uh, the space that you're in right now, 
you could be running your own business. And if, if you're not that person, maybe it's within the company that you are working for or in, there, that's still a great question. What are you missing? What could that be? Is it around mentorship and coaching? Is it the time that you need to spend doing something something else, um, expending more energy toward? Um, those are the two things that I would leave you with. Obviously, there's so many parts of this podcast that you could replay because they're just tremendous. Ralph is tremendous. Uh, go check out, uh, you know, the, the show notes for the links to be able to get his book, follow him. He's such a great inspiration. But uh, with that, remember, you truly are your only limit. And the way that we get past that is to do what? You guessed it. <laughs> to take action. If you haven't been here before and it's your first time, that is a mantra of mine. And if you have been here, you've heard that a lot. For all 80, gosh, what episode are we on? all 87 episodes. <laughs> and if you listen to my previous podcast, Bliss Beyond Fear, you heard it 69 other times. So well over a hundred times, uh, because it really is the thing that I believe. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Time is the most precious commodity that we have. If you don't take the action now, that's a lost opportunity. Uh, we just, you know, Ralph talked about that with time. So I truly mean that with all sincerity. And that's the reason that I, you hear it all the time. Uh, but please do subscribe and follow, rate and review this episode. Share this with someone who needs to hear it. It means a lot to me. Your support means a lot to me. If there's anything that you want to hear about, if there is a guest that you want to be on the show. If you are somebody who wants to be on the show, reach out to me, des at boredunbreakable.com. And uh, thanks for tuning in. See you next time.